mm-hmm. as much as people probably won't want to talk about it, the Antonio Brown saga is at least interesting listening for people that have no idea what's going on. For example, a fair few of our listeners who don't listen, who don't really pay attention to the NFL or like don't keep up with it anywhere near as much as we do. So, so Antonio Brown confirming once more that he's off his rocker. Yeah, Antonio Brown dominating the headlines for us yet again. But in fairness, if he continues to do so throughout the off season, but on a more gradual scale, then as quasi media personnel, um, we should be we should be pretty set for content outside of our true crime podcast. Hell, he can probably feature on it. To be honest, <laughs> oh, Mister Septic Tank. <laughs> oh. God, yeah. I don't, I don't know why that's his nickname, but it is. Uh, it's yeah. Mr. Septic Tank. Hello, 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 and welcome to Stiff Upper Lip Podcast, the NFL podcast by Brits. We are in partnership with Gridiron Extra, and we are returning for our third season. So, yeah, on we begin with me, Ed. Me, Emma. I'm Sam. I'm Max Saito. And I'm Tom. We're back. We've, we've done it. <gasps> We finally made it. We made it to 2022, and after after months, it feels like, and it's only been like three weeks. We are we are we are finally back recording a podcast. Of course, everything that's happened over the course of this three weeks, Ed, how have you been doing? Um, I I I haven't been able to muster the same enthusiasm as you were able to muster there about. About my own personal stakes in the NFL, <laughs> having been rudimentary, <laughs> so rudely dumped out of two two fantasy leagues and the actual the big one. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm excited to be here and talk ball. It has been a while, but I um, still probably miss the Mister Cranky Pants of the group. That's I mean that's pretty much what I've been looking forward to um, getting. Old Mister Cranky Pants in after I uh, so uh, ceremoniously dumped him out of the flea flicker league, uh, and then you got dumped out in the final, right, or in the semi final of the stiff upper lip designated one. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah torn apart by my wife to be. Wow, <laughs> it is it is it is rough going for Ed when coming up against stiff upper lip things. We'll keep we'll keep an eye on that like Cliff Kingsbury's uh winning record streak. Um I I had a bit of a weird three weeks, Ed. Um I got COVID uh and then we didn't record. And then Christmas happened and I got drunk. Very drunk. Uh and we didn't record and we didn't record. And then New Year happened and I drank White Russians and listened to the Big Lebowski soundtrack, and we didn't record because I got I got too pissed. So got COVID and got mortaled. That was that was my Christmas and New Year. But we're ready to talk NFL football and boy howdy! I mean, we're gonna get our old famous uh, Max Saito, who's coming up to the end of his first regular season with the pod in just old a little bit. Famous. Here he is. He's in. How have, how's your three weeks been, Max? Oh, yeah. Do you know what? I feel like we've recorded one podcast since the second half of the season. <laughs> <laughs> don't out us like this, Max. Don't, Sorry. Don't I mean, us. there's been COVID issues, specifically for you twice. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's true. Yeah. Um, other than the COVID toe. So you know, it could have it could have been it could have been worse. But what what have you been up to in the in the hiatus, Max? Um. Well, what can I say? I've been going on walks to stop myself from getting depression. I've been watching football to, to stop help myself get depression. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a finely balanced act. Do you know what I mean? been drinking a load of Rattlers, which are like... I'm drinking one right now, in fact. It's a lemon Rattler, which is like 2% half beer and half citrus beverage. Because so I'm, I'm obsessed with being refreshed. So what's the difference between a Rattler and a Shandy? It's a good one question. One sounds better. Yeah, I, I, I do like a good Rattler, but um, specifically a good ABK. But I probably shouldn't mention that. We're not sponsored. But you know, gonna give him. But if you were looking out for sponsorships, you know, you know where to find me, ABK. If Shandy Bass want to sponsor this NFL podcast, <laughs> we would welcome him with open arms. <laughs> yeah, I'll come out. I'll come out right now and say I'm a pro Shandy anti Radler stance. <laughs> <laughs> you would, you fucking anti Rad bastard. <laughs> oh. All right. There was a game, well, there was a litany of games in week 17 of the NFL season. Uh, out of sheer protest, we're not even going to mention two of them, but we're going to kick off with Patriots 50, Jags 10, and this is one which we can thoroughly sweep past because the Patriots clinched their AFC playoff contendership and looking maybe for the one seed while the Jags fall pretty poorly. And pitifully down to two and fourteen, and we'll probably secure the number one overall draft pick. Yeah, I'd like I'd like to have my own back patted just briefly about my prediction at the start of the league that Urban Meyer would have to resign in disgrace. Yeah, <laughs> after it, after a series of scandals, it, that was probably. When, the, when did you make the prediction? It was when we were doing our prediction special. Was it so, before or after his first three scandals? <laughs> I think it was, it was just after his first one where he hired an O-line coach and fired him immediately because he was racist. But it was definitely yeah, before know, the, the vast majority of them. That set the ball rolling. When I say <laughs> ball, I mean <laughs> the one from Indiana Jones. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> I will tip my cap to you, although I will also say that like, I don't think you were the only one. Like, normally predicting that an NFL coach would have to resign because of scandals mid-season is a pretty ballsy thing to do. But somehow it seems like multiple people sort of come with Evan Meyer because maybe maybe they um, enrolled in his well, his leadership course at Ohio State. And, uh, <laughs> <sort of laughs> oh, Alright, quickly moving straight on because uh, eh. Got lots to talk about, <laughs> plenty to discuss, and we don't want to hang around there. We're going to talk about LA Rams 20, Baltimore Ravens 19. Tyler Huntley is low-key quite impressive, but not impressive enough to beat this Rams team who have clinched their NFC playoffs while the Ravens fall outside the postseason berth and are now looking for a miracle on Week 18 with a whole slew of scenarios to get in. And it seems to have all fallen apart in Baltimore. Eight and three through the first thirteen weeks of the season. Eight and eight since. Shocking. It's been. A, Tyler it's... Huntley is like a 
Oh, go ahead. No, 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 after you. I was going to say, Tyler Huntley is like a... He's like a starter, like... He's been more impressive to me, like... He's been the most impressive newcomer this season, like... More so than, obviously, like, Lawrence and... And Zach Wilson and Davis Mills. I've been... Yeah. I've been yeah. really impressed with Huntley. And I've not been impressed with Stafford, but you guys know that I've got an agenda. <laughs> That's true, you do. I mean, he came up clutch here, and... Funnily enough, Odell Beckham Jr. came up clutch as well right at the end of the game, dragging the Rams back across the uh, the goal line. The Ravens seemed to have sort of, as soon as the Vikings were almost completely eliminated, the Ravens took on their role of purple bottle jobs, though, because they've lost, what, three straight close one-score games where as much as Tyler Huntley has tried dragging this, like, injured battle bruised corpse over the finish line they just couldn't do it and again the ravens take a close loss here i mean this is this is a team who has narrowly avoided losing to the the original purple ball jobs and the and the lions like we shouldn't no no one can look at this and say it wasn't coming yeah, that's true. I mean, it it took a record-breaking kick from Justin Tucker and a missed delayed game penalty to even keep them alive against the Lions. Like, just. But that's not like it, at the time. I think we thought that was a worse indicator of their performance than it turned out to be because Lions have played some spirited games. But I think for the Ravens, the story of their season is they just crossed the Rubicon in terms of players unavailable to them, whether injury or COVID. Yeah, I mean. Matt Stafford did a good job of identifying the one guy who was like left in the Baltimore secondary who was still healthy and throwing it to him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, to me, I just think like they they haven't um, they have like that good franchise advantage where you know that it doesn't really matter who's out there; they'll be coached up and and competent. But they just couldn't. They were like that, <laughs> you know, like yeah. dragging themselves through. Yeah, like some teams, if 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 their coaching staff loses one player you know that that's them basically done. But the Ravens just seem to have been like, you you never knew who was starting, especially in that second area, which has been beat up ever since Marlon Humphreys tore his ACL in like week one. In fact, it was actually in the preseason, wasn't it? So it's just, it all went horribly wrong, didn't they? They lost Gus Edwards and Marlon Humphreys on like back-to-back plays in training camp, right? On both torn, AC, uh, torn ACLs. Was it Marcus Peters? Uh, oh, yeah, Marlon Marcus Peters. Sorry, season, yeah. I think Marlon Humphrey got. Yeah, and obviously against, they lost. Yeah. they lost J.K. Dobbins in the in the preseason as well, and we never really got to see what that was going to be like. So yeah, There's, yeah. I mean, that Devontae like, Freeman rushing attack was not didn't light didn't light my fire. It feels like the Ravens, are one of these teams, wherein there is absolutely no worry for them going forward, though, because they'll get all of these guys back. They've still got a great coaching staff. They. Will they most got likely great first round pick. they got a, yeah they got another great first round pick, so I don't there's nothing to worry about for Baltimore. It's just that this season has ended up due to injury, being a bit of a losing season. So I mean it sucks for Ravens fans, um, and it'll well, suck for the players. But you know, shit happens in the NFL, and sometimes these injury riddled seasons can derail you. All right, let's move on to. Tampa Bay Buccaneers 28, Jets 24, and this game went right (laughs) down to the wire. And the Buccaneers went right down to the practice squad to get someone going because Cyril Grayson had to win them the game because Antonio Brown blew up on the sidelines. 
The Bucks are down to nothing on the receiving end, and they still came back against the Jets. Cyril Grayson sounds like the name of like a posh paint supplier. <laughs> no, Cyril Grayson sounds like a bawdy British comic musician from the 1940s. Oh my god. You know what's funny is, uh, I know someone whose name was Cyril, who used to be in my grandparents' retirement like flat, and he was a comedy, gaudy comedy musician from the 40s. Yeah, anyone called Cyril is. It's just That's just how it goes, do you know what I mean? Oh god. Well, there, he so. sounds like a Forty Towers character for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking of Forty Towers esque behavior as well, that was <laughs> <laughs> powerful segue. Yeah, uh, Antonio Brown appears to have lost his mind again. I don't yeah. think he found it. Well, yeah, uh, he has had his contract terminated now officially, but there was still a weird like three day period where he um, he wasn't cut. So he left the game midway through the through this one after like a rep- a crowd member like managed to get it on video him like arguing with Mike Evans and throwing his jersey and like throwing his undershirt into the crowd and then he starts like doing jumping jacks into the end zone like walking off the field uh it turns out apparently Arians tried to throw him into the game AB didn't want to because he was injured there are reports and texts have been leaked by AB, maybe illegal, because I don't understand whether or not... It's not illegal if they're not real. <laughs> well, that's true. I mean, they <laughs> could be fake. It's illegal in a different way. Oh, yeah, right. sorry, yeah. It wouldn't be like AB to falsify documentation. <laughs> um, <laughs> he apparently told Bruce Arians about the injury, uh, and Bruce Arians still tried to throw him in. Then... AB has gone on a mad, uh, well, a mass tirade about uh, everyone associated to the Buccaneers that isn't one of the actual players uh, just being a dick, including his personal trainer, who he tried putting on blast on Instagram for a hundred grand, but in the text, the trainer was saying, "Oh, I'm sorry to see you leave. Let me know where I can send the money back to." So he's gone completely insane or he went completely insane five years ago, and now we're all just watching yet another fallout. Oh, God. Trying to, uh, he's really trying to pump up that rap career. Um, <laughs> and yeah, Bruce Arians, when they told him, like, oh, you see these texts that AB posted, he just chuckled and said, the players know the truth, because the other side of the story is allegedly that he was just annoyed that Mike Evans was getting targeted mm. and he refused to go in the game, which would Wait, kind of... Where have I it, heard It's not that something before? that I wouldn't... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's not exactly beyond the realms of belief, but I mean, I, I thought for a second that they weren't going to release him until the end of the season because they were afraid that another team would pick him up for the playoffs. But, but like, if my team picked up Antonio Brown for the playoffs, I'd be like, Gee, like what is going through your mind? Um, it's just terrible optics. And I also think it's a terrible decision in terms of how much are you really gaining from that. Um, but on the other side, I did just want to say that um, the Jets might have something for next season with Zach Wilson and like Michael Carter. They played a very balanced game on offense, but they blew it because it's, it, doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter if he's in a different uniform. Tom Brady versus the Jets, I think. Uh, the ending was uh, pre-written. I think they, they put up like a... Um... 
they we got a couple of these moments where they put up like a, a big chart of uh, the quarterbacks that have got the best records against certain teams and we'll sort of touch upon the other guy that was on these uh, graphics. But Tom Brady has like a 900% win percentage against the Jets. Like he he's batting 900, uh, well, batting 900, which is unbelievably consistent. And I think that the only guy that was anywhere close was like, uh, I think Aaron Rodgers versus the Bears was around sort of 875 or maybe Bill 900 as well. I still um, own you. Yeah. So it's like Tom Brady has haunted the Jets and even without Bill Belichick to absolutely cripple them uh, throughout the games, he's still got to provide one final comeback moment in what, you know, could feasibly be the final comeback moment of his career. I mean, you don't really see anyone playing up till like their mid 40s, but Tom Brady's still here. You never know. But um, yeah. The Jets have something to build off, I think, but again, it still needs way more work. I'm happy to move on. I think we've I think we've set our piece here. Groovy. Uh, all right, uh, Buffalo Bills twenty nine, Atlanta Falcons fifteen. And was it just me, or did anyone else think that this game was probably the weirdest played out game of the week? Like. I couldn't tell a single thing that was going on here. I mean, Josh Allen threw three interceptions and rushed for two touchdowns. I complimented Josh Allen. He immediately was like, "God, because oh, you know, guys not have been on this, or, or you know, you guys not have been on this one." I was like, "You know what, Josh Allen? I've had my doubts, but he's looking better." Immediately went in the tank, and, and but for the Falcons being a miserable team who should really be like a three or four win team, mm-hmm. I think the Bills would end up losing this game. Uh, yeah, um, I just the Falcons are such an odd. Just everything this year. I know that Arthur Smith coming in as like a, a first time head coach and whatnot, but I Calvin just, Ridley just retiring. Yeah, like basically. just just like semi retiring. Weird things like that, or <clears throat> not getting really very much production out of Kyle Pitts, and then he he finally starts like looking like he's going to go off and then he sort of leaves the game and comes back in. But that injury, I, I want to keep my eye on that because I think he's showing up on the injury report. And to be honest, if I was the Falcons... You say Kyle Pitts hasn't really been producing, but he's got a chance to break the rookie tight end receiving record, which belongs to Mike Ditka, right? From 1901. I mean, you're right, <laughs> just... but he's got, he's got like the... Is it Kendrick Bourne that had like... 14,000 yeah, in... yards and has like no <laughs> touchdowns. He's only grazed in the green grass of the end zone, I think, twice this year. And one of um, those was in London rookie, against that pitiful Jets rookie tight ends. Rookie tight ends do struggle. I think the Falcons need to upgrade their offensive line and they're, they desperately need a running back because Mike Davis has been atrocious. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe next year, you know, they've got Russell Gage has, for some reason, become a player for them. So... Maybe next year they have something to work with, but at the moment, um, FedEx have their name to two things in the NFL: <laughs> Washington <laughs> Stadium and the Arthur Smith offense. And neither are looking particularly shiny at the moment. I'll tell you guys something. Um, I just had a look at this when we said um, there's reports coming out of Atlanta that apparently Calvin Ridley is done on the Falcons and wants to join another team. Oh, interesting. Would have liked to come to Green Bay. That that would be something. <laughs> 
I don't know. Um, That's an off-season podcast. You know, yeah, Calvary maybe. Landing. Yeah, I think that we could maybe like turn this into a into a little segment, but for now, <laughs> I don't want to speculate because if it is still the mental health side of things, I don't want to. I don't want to. I want to. I don't want to discuss in someone's future like that. Come on, man. All right, no, fair enough. Let's uh, let's move on to. You know, I'm going to save the tasty biscuit of the of the game of the week for me till right at the end. Um, we're going to talk about the Titans absolutely annihilating the Dolphins and putting them out of playoff contention and taking the first seed back in the AFC. Oh, baby, they got it. And they just need a win away at Houston in Week 18. And they're going to get Derrick Henry back at some point, either this week or in time for the playoffs. They could probably do with that by. This was a huge win I don't for even them. think... They they've got a they've got a great run offense even without Derrick Henry. Like Deontay Foreman has been plowing through dudes mm. <laughs> lately. Um They got a and... nice game out of Dontrell Hilliard as well. Exactly. I mean I'm not gonna say that having Derrick Henry back isn't a massive boost because <laughs> yeah, obviously, but you know, I think he's he I think the offense has been set up to maximise the running back position, so even when he goes out, others can step in. Mm. And they've just looked different a different beast since AJ Brown came back in. Because, you know, like Nick Westbrook, Aquino, and friends, they weren't really it. So, yeah, hello, Tennessee. I mean, I don't... We're I feel like Tennessee are one Yeah, we're losing you a smidge. Oh, really? On my back? Uh, yes. Hang on yeah. one sec. It seems to be one like... One sec, I'll, I'll just... revert to It's all good. I mean, Ed, do you have any points about this? Dolphins Titans game while we wait for while we wait for Max because I could I could talk I could talk about how much I like Harold Landry but I've done that a lot before. <laughs> um, also, the Dolphins are the most fumble happy offense in the NFL this year, and it's not hard to see why mm. because they're a really they're a really small offense. I know that doesn't mean a whole lot in like the modern NFL, but like they are diminutive in size, like from the linebackers, sorry, from the linemen to the quarterback to everyone around them and it's 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 a, it's a strange point to say but they against these teams that like try to beat them physically they do get beat physically yeah and uh one thing about the uh dolphins in particular is i don't think that they can they are te- i think that they might be the worst team for drafting their linemen because they've spent like pretty solid first well Pretty solid picks, especially on their left tackle position, on like Austin Jackson, Liam Eikenberg. Um, I can't remember the name of the other guy that they've drafted in the last like five years. They seem to always be the reason as to why like two is getting beat or two is getting hit or the or the running game can't get going. It's all because of the tackle. And they just suck at evaluating offensive tackles, it seems like. And even yeah. even though I thought like um, I thought that Eichenberg could have potentially been a little bit of a splash guy, I thought that they might have got something out of it. I don't know if they just have like a bad O line coach or something, but they have been. It just seems like everyone that they plug in at left or right tackle is just an abysmal, abysmal guy that needs to be replaced immediately. I mean, sometimes, I, sorry, Max. I was going to say sometimes your quarterback can really help cover up the sins of your offensive line. Mm. And two is one of those guys, 
you know, I think that maybe the the worst example would be Baker Mayfield, who is just he holds on to it for so long. But two is one of those guys who um, isn't really a quick trigger pull guy. Like he would prefer to slightly let things develop or go for like the quick option. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I say he's not a quick trigger guy, I mean he's not taking shots downfield because he he thinks his receiver is going to be open. Do you know what I mean? Like if he's getting the ball out quickly, it's it's in the flat or it's a screen, and you know, maybe the, I think I know who the Dolphins want at quarterback for next year, which I don't like the idea of Deshaun Watson being the quarterback anywhere. But maybe having someone like, <laughs> sorry, the idea of Kirk Cousins down there in that Miami uniform, I, I thought of it and I visualized it and it was actually, <laughs> I found it hilarious. It reminds me, I mean, it would just be Ryan Tannehill in terms of like visual appeal of Kirk Cousins in the Dolphins uniform. Not to say that Tannehill and Cousins are comparable in terms of like how they play. I mean, they kind of are. They both play action merchants, but... Yeah, Tannehill's a lot. Tannehill will take a hit more than Cousins will, I think. Yeah, but uh, um, I also find that Cousins will also throw a more accurate pass than Ryan Tannehill. Um, yeah. But, yeah, like, visual white bread, sour cream human being in that god-awful... Uh, Match up really, I not for me. Tua, Tua could use maybe a fresh start somewhere else. That Tua in Atlanta, Tua in Atlanta, does that got pop? Well, we'll talk about it in the off season. Hmm. I mean, I don't think that it'd be a good fit for him. But like I say, we'll 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 go ahead, we'll go ahead and move on. But um, yeah, uh, this this game had playoff implications, and now uh. We can pretty much just write off the Dolphins as a team that I have to look at for the rest of the season. I, I never believe. Uh, frankly, they won those seven games, but they were not impressive. No, apart from that one time that they beat the Ravens, who it turns out have also not been that impressive in that stretch. With that blitz game, yeah, yeah. that was mental. Yeah. Anyway, all right. All right, moving on to uh, we're going to go to Indianapolis, where the Colts needing a win in a big spot took a twenty-three to twenty loss against the Las Vegas Raiders who won it because of a Daniel Carlson field goal but they could have easily wrapped it up if the refs had just given Hunter Renfro the touchdown that he deserved and I I think I I must say the Raiders coming back in this game hides a lot of the mishaps I saw out of the Colts they did not play a good game throughout most of this and I don't know if it's just because like they tried something different, but mm. it starts and it always starts and ends at Wentz, doesn't it? Yeah, the Raiders like, are a much better quarterback in this game. Yeah, yeah. When was the last time you? I mean, I know that it, I begin to sound like a a stoke record when I talk about Carson Wentz, but when was the last time you saw a team win because of Wentz rather than win in spite of Wentz? He had a couple of games earlier this season that were not, you know, they they weren't like electrifying but they were certainly like above the standard that we've come to expect of him over the last two years i was about um, to say I the mean, dolphins I game that... i thought he played well this especially in that the... gone it was the first one back after he had covid wasn't it yeah and he was only on the covid list for like four days or whatever and he denied having symptoms but the team trainer said they did have symptoms which is just like give me a break carson um <laughs> but um you know, whether that's something that was affecting him in the game, he's not going to admit to it, but it's entirely possible. But 
I do in general think that it, he is a limiting factor for Indianapolis in in, in the postseason. Um, like I liked their chances with Philip Rivers last year more than I liked them with Wentz this year. But you know, the Raiders, I think they do some credit. I think you know Hunter Renfro to me is like he's a genuinely good like it's gone beyond like oh it's a charming story because he's a little white dude with a receding hairline <laughs> he's just a good receiver now like yeah. he's yeah. he's a genuine threat and, and they need him to be and and for some reason zay jones has had a couple of good games as well despite before being in las vegas he was predominantly known for that thing he did in buffalo where he stood up without touching the ground if you remember that he looked like he's wearing the michael jackson shoes <laughs> um, <laughs> i don't remember that now Oh. But, yeah, I mean, they also got a competent game out of Josh Jacobs, who's, you know, kind of a middle of the road back, and they're getting Darren Waller back. And, you know, the Raiders have gone through a lot. I kind of like their story, but I don't, I'm not in love with their play. <laughs> I, I get no. that. No, yeah, I totally agree with you. Like, Crosby and, and Gakwe have kind of gone off the boil in the second half of the mm. year. Like, that's that's one that's one thing to quickly touch on is that the pass rush isn't the same as it was mm-hmm. um but yeah a couple uh, the problem with the raiders is you always think oh next year yeah um like i wouldn't li- i wouldn't i really wouldn't mind seeing Derek Carr somewhere else at this point cuz i think if Derek maybe Carr in atlanta like atlanta <laughs> hey yeah. if you went Derek Carr to miami <laughs> No, not in- <laughs> 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 heading down the, you know, Atlanta just helped some dudes out. Like, ask Young Way Koo after he's got cut from the Chargers. You know what I mean? He's become a legend in Atlanta. Derek Carr, out on the town, with Big Boy, every night in Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> David Carr, just losing his mind in the studio. We can make this happen. We can make a beautiful reality. I'm going to put up a prayer circle in my bedroom and just try and manifest the Derek Cardo Atlanta move. Okay. Um, it, it's, a horror, it's a horror show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Mostly uh, I hate it so much. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's move on to a team that has fallen apart down the stretch. The Washington football team losing twenty to seventeen, and uh, well, they're out. The Eagles are in. They clinched somehow. Weirdly, in this weird NFC where everyone seems to be at nine and seven in the playoff hunt now. Um, Taylor Heineke tried to hero ball his way right back down the field right at the end of the game, but a big, big play by Rodney McLeod sealed the game late on. And this was a weird one where nobody threw a passing touchdown. Zero passing touchdowns in this one. Boston Scott rushed for two. Jarrett Patterson and, uh, well, just Jarrett Patterson rushed for one on the uh, on the other side of the ball. That's really... Yeah. You know the Eagles haven't beaten anyone with a winning record. Uh, yeah, but yeah. would you rather watch the Eagles in the playoffs or the, or the Washington football team? I would rather watch neither. I would I would give it to an AFC team. <laughs> no. You'd <laughs> rather watch the Dolphins. No, I'd rather watch like I don't know the Chargers or No. I you, I like I I do like this Eagles team because they they run the ball. Well, I freaking love it when teams run the ball because I find it satisfying just to be like, you know what? You know what's going to happen. We know what's going to happen, but we're just going to win. 
And, <laughs> you know, Jalen Hurts has certainly staked a claim. Like, he's certainly um, strengthened his standing with the team compared to where he was at the start of the year. And they've come on strong in the second half. But, yeah, you, you're quite right. I think they're, they're going to be... Um, a bit of a sitting duck in the playoffs for a team like the Bucks, who have a very strong run defense. You can just see that getting ugly quite quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But to me, I think, you know, they've got Devonta Smith. Dallas Goddard has really stepped up since Sackert's left for the retirement home. And yeah, Jalen Hurts has shown some nice evasiveness. He's, he's made a, a good few throws. Jalen Rager's not going to be on the team for much longer, frankly. But you know, there's, there's something to build on for Philadelphia, and if not, if not this year. <laughs> yeah, you've, you've forgotten their most important man, though. The the glue, the linchpin that holds this team together. Uh, is it the disgrace of Tharagotha? <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah. <laughs> JJ Arthaga, fucking white side. I feel slightly robbed by Max taking my tagline for him because uh, I put oh. about the disgrace for Hehon. Uh, in the chat, and then I said, "Oh, not to be confused with the disgrace of Zaragoza." And then he comes in here after saying, "Oh, that's a bit harsh on J. Joe." And then he comes in here and he steals me, buddy. Oh, you, it was a good you're on joke. Thin ice. I, think, I think I think we can probably get it onto Pro Football Reference by the end of the year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was um not to um spoil anything for. A potential upcoming future episode, but I have been listening to old episodes of the podcast from earlier this season. And I, when I listened to my prediction about day job, I was like, <laughs> "It was some ill-judged prophecy." <laughs> uh, the other thing of note, as I as I sort of briefly alluded to, is that FedEx Field uh, fell apart. Um, urinals leaking and spraying water everywhere, and the big one is that a barrier fell. Uh, and a, a, just a spilling of Eagles fans in the tunnel uh, almost crushed Jalen Hurts. How bad of a lawsuit do you reckon Dan Snyder has to get to leave the NFL? And if possible, would the Eagles have um, facilitated that? I think it would have to be pretty bad considering what has already occurred without lawsuits occurring. Um, it would probably have to involve... I think someone would have to die like through negligence. Mm. And um, I kind of don't want anyone to die from Dan Snyder's negligence, even if there's a good chance of that happening. Yeah, um, no, me neither. But... So, so personally, I hope he just gets you know hit by lightning or like a meteor or, or maybe like a runaway train. Maybe just lynched by a bunch of irate Washington fans. I think that's the most likely. Like, he's... Like a, like the Charles the First of the NFL, bitten to death by the famous itchy spiders of Washington. <laughs> the most the most damning thing though is that like Washington tried to come out after the game and say that they uh, offered like on site medical evaluation, and then the Eagles fans that were like spilled onto the floor by this barrier collapsing, which is now currently being held together by uh, cable ties from Home Depot. Um, yeah. They they came they came they came out and said no uh, they're bullshitting which is the most Dan Snyder thing that I've heard because you know they said that the securities were trying to get them off the field yeah 
which is really the, the only thing the staff in. said to us was to get the f off the field. That's what uh, a man from Brooklyn, New Jersey, said about the <laughs> incident. Jalen hurt when Jaylen, when the opposing team's quarterback is writing a letter to you saying, "Please stop your stadium from falling on me." That's not good. That's not a good sign. It's pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Like say say what you will about cousins, but getting out of Washington was <laughs> <laughs> that if, was prescient. If he played in Washington for this long, he would have torn both ACLs by now, just because of the field. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, let's move on to the. LA Chargers 34 to 13 win over the Denver Broncos. They eliminated the Browns and the Dolphins and the Broncos with this win and the Chargers looking good for that final uh, well for a wild card spot in the AFC which has got plenty to play for going into week 18. Justin Herbert 237 yards and two touchdowns and a rushing touchdown from Austin Eckler. While the Broncos tried their hardest to not have Drew Locke throw this game away, and it nearly worked, except for the fact that the Broncos aren't very good and Vic Fangio should be fired. Get Kendall Hinton in. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the Drew Locke experiment. I mean, he's got CFL written all over him at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, or actually, they brought back the USFL, so maybe he's a USFL guy. Or maybe an XFL um, guy, because that starts again in. A year. I mean, plenty of options for you, Drew. It's just not the NFL, fella. <laughs> um, but yeah, they they seem a quarterback away from being real contenders again. And it's... I, the, the, the problem is, and the reason why Fangio's time might be up, is that they had, they've had opportunities to improve the QB position. You know, and it's been a, it's been a revolving door at best. Mm-hmm. Pretty much ever since Peyton Manning left, isn't it, really? I, don't, I can't yeah. name a single guy that's been even remotely redeemable for for. Well, no one, certainly no one's played a full season at QB since that point. No. Which um, is, like, <laughs> damning in itself. But, like... The Trevor Simeon years, those are good. <laughs> God. Never again. I mean, the question is, can you name them all? What have we got? We've got... Osweiler, Lynch, Simeon, uh, Tebow, Hinton, Tebow, uh, Bridgewater, Keenum. God, I feel like Keenum. Flacco. Brett Rippon. Flacco, Rippon. Oh, that, Drew this, Lock. this might be... Oh my God. Just hearing all of those names come out. And the worst part is, is isn't John Elway like their... Basically, their GM. Uh, they've got George Patton now because they okay. sort of wink, wink, nudge, nudge, Elway to step down. But I think he has like a, still has a huge amount of say. Because John Elway surely shouldn't be this bad at evaluating every single quarterback <laughs> that comes in through the door, and yet every single quarterback, apart from yeah. I'll give Teddy Bridgewater credit because he still played all right when half of his offense was injured. But everybody else has been just abysmal. Every Which single is... name that was listed there is is probably bottom-tier NFL quarterback. It's uh, just like, you're tall, you're white. Allen. 
We did forget oh, to say Brandon. Yeah, Lara. sorry. Uh, what a also, brilliant. Also, technically, in that Kendall Hinton game, do you know who the technical, the technically listed starting quarterback was in that game? No, was it the it was the QB coach, wasn't it? Um, no, it was Philip Lindsay. What? Really? Allegedly. <laughs> Fucking hell! Oh god. Um. Yeah. Just, just, just a mess. Just a mess. Fuck your ideas up, Dan. Oh, can I just ask? Uh, I've got one question about this. Um, I'm gonna lift you. I'm gonna tell you two. Uh, quarterback stats from this year, and you tell me which one you'd prefer. Quarterback A, 67.3 completion percentage, 4,631 yards, 35 touchdowns, 14 picks, um, 28 sacks, and 301 rushing yards for three touchdowns. Quarterback B, 70.4 completion percentage, uh, 34 touchdowns, which is just one less, same number of interceptions, 15. Has taken almost twice as many sacks, though, 51 sacks. Uh, and 118 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns. So I know who these two are. I know I'm who these two are. I'm, I'm certain of this, but I'm going to say I want quarterback A, and I think it's Burrow and Herbert. It's yeah. Burrow and Herbert, yeah, but I, I wouldn't care who I got. Yeah, no. Herbert <laughs> is quarterback A. Okay. I just think that Joe Burrow's had a lot of flowers this year, and, and he totally deserves them. That's not what I'm saying. But if anything, because the... Chargers haven't won as many games. Maybe Justin Herbert has gone under the radar a little bit. But like, that's come on, man. That's that's like uh, it's very good. And the thing is, he had, as much as we say he, he's had two stinkers this year, like Justin Herbert, the yeah. first two of his career. I think so, he, yeah. I think he maybe um, Burrow might let it fly a little bit more than Herbert. But I think Herbert is better at knowing when to run. And he's better at not taking sacks, which he does have a better offensive line, I think. But he's maybe a little bit more, not cerebral, but like he's not as adverse to the negative play. I, I, well, he is more. Effective. The one thing that I will say is that if those are the stat lines out of two guys that are in their second year, one of them ended up missing half of his rookie year with, uh, what was it, like a ruptured ACL because his knee bent in half. Um, the NFL is in such great standing because these are two guys that will absolutely terrorize every defense for years to come. And what a great way to take us onto our final game of this window because Joe Burrow's Bengals, baby, winners of the AFC North, 34 to 31, beating the Kansas City Chiefs, knocking them out of the, uh, the number one seed in the AFC. Jamar Chase. Have a day, 266 yards and three touchdowns. He was uncoverable for this entire game, and the well, Bengals make the playoffs for the first time since, what, 2015? They won their first AFC North title for the first time in a long time as well, but I think that was the week before, wasn't it? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think... Oh, actually, one more thing. Jo- Joe Burrow's exploded near. You'll never guess which field that occurred at. Oh, of course, so yeah. yeah right of course now. it was, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, enough about the bad. Let's focus on some good. Um, Jamar Chase, after a bit of a lull in the middle of the season, has come roaring back. And what I did like in this game was that Steve Spagnolo simply refused to put more than one guy on Chase. <laughs> <laughs> he just burned him again and again. There was like a third and 27 that they converted. Uh, and like, Chase made some spectacular catches, but he was like, you've got to give, start giving these people some safety help and you know, get beaten by T. Higgins instead of something. We just 
get bashed in his head against the same old wall. Yeah, and, the um... fourth quarter for Chase was like, he just seemed to put up like, Burrow would throw it back shoulder of, uh, of like 24 yards and Jamar Chase would go up and beat like Charverius Ward. And then Rashad the very, Fenton. yeah, Rashad Fenton or whoever the fuck they put on him. And then he'd come back and there'd be like another back shoulder 24 yard throw and Jamar Chase would again do the exact same move no. and they didn't have him, they didn't have a counter for it because he's just. It's entirely, oh, it's occurred to me that it's entirely possible that actually Sorensen was cool, um, Sorry, uh, Spags was calling for safety help, but Daniel Sorensen was out <laughs> looking at um, like a like a file full of preserved exotic butterflies on the sideline. So, you know, maybe it wasn't quite on Spags, but I'm I'm pretty sure it was. <laughs> two two comparing notes. You know how I bang on about like the Raiders having a small secondary. Yeah, the Chiefs also have a small secondary, and the Bengals have a massive offense. Yeah, I mean they're... Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd's enormous. T Higgins is enormous. These guys are these guys are contested catch receivers. All I mean, obviously Chase is ridiculous after the catch as well, but it is a team built to lollipop balls up there and watch one of them come down with it. Yeah, and against a team as small as the Chiefs, it wouldn't have mattered if they've had three men on Chase. He was unplayable because of his size advantage. Eleven catches for two hundred and sixty-six yards. <laughs> more than 20 yards a catch is insane and neither team turned it over in this game yeah no it was it was thoroughly entertaining from start to finish it was just breathtaking play after breathtaking play both sides looked like they were ready to kill the game off about five times in this one and it ended up coming down right to the very end with a with a pass interference call on the goal Convoluted line in the passage. most goal line stand fourth goal well fourth and goal fucking scenario to burn down the rest of the clock. Oh, what a way! What a way for the Bengals to get some renowned hope going into the postseason for the first time in years by having Joe Burrow over two games throw nine hundred and seventy-one yards. Ludicrous. The box score for this game is a bit weird. Like Patrick Mahomes only had 259 yards, and their yeah. leading receiver was Mecole Hardman, who had one reception for 53 yards. Yeah, they got two touchdowns out of Daryl Williams, but he didn't reach 100 yards on the ground. And I think that sort of, you know, sometimes the Chiefs often the often one thing that the Chiefs do is is they'll have halves where they don't really do much and then they'll halves where they, they'll have halves where they score touchdowns every drive mm-hmm. and what's made them so successful is that often the half where they score touchdowns every drive is the second half yeah but in this in this game they were up um i think they were up by 14 points um just before half time and they ended up sort of petering out a little bit i mean they got um Tyreek Hill back off the covid list and, and he wasn't really up to much Travis Kelsey is um didn't really have much of an effect in this game either, weirdly. But they still managed to score 31 points. So I don't know whether that is good or bad for the Chiefs' outlook. Because they scored a lot of points without really posting a crazy amount of yards. Um, so the good news is they scored lots of points. But the bad news is they didn't put up a lot of yards, which you normally need to score points. But I would not mind watching a, a rematch of this in the playoffs. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I'll tell you one thing. The, the AFC playoff scenarios are... Um, well, I mean, let's let's be real here. They are there's a lot of great matchups coming. We've got 
the Chiefs, the Patriots, the Bills, the Bengals, we got the Jonathan Taylors, we got the Chargers, all running around. Plus, we're going to get King Henry back as well. The AFC playoffs look like they are going to be shootouts galore from everyone just trying to knock 10 bells out of each other every single play. I am excited for playoff football in the AFC. Why do we have this 18th week? Just like I kind this. of don't need um, the Steelers or Ravens in the playoffs. No offense. It's like, fine. They're not really turning the dial up for me. Whereas <laughs> some of these teams, I I would generally be quite excited to watch. I mean, to be fair, the Raiders aren't really turning the dial up for me either. So I guess we'll see what happens. But yeah, I mean, there's there's three or four teams here. I mean, if you told me the Patriots were going to win the AFC Championship game, I wouldn't be stunned. Maybe surprised, but you know, they're a balanced team and. Anything can happen in playoff football. Winning in. Why can't it be now? Exactly. I want it now. All right. Uh, We turn our attention to the second window of the Sunday games. Uh, We're starting out by just quickly mentioning that the San Francisco 49ers won 23-7 against the Texans. They are in as it stands. And if they win, they are completely in. Or if the Saints lose, they are in. So, you know, that's as much as I want to say about this game. Um, I've got some mildly funny, mildly Texans-related breaking news for you, if you want. Go on. Um, Former Texans head coach Bill O'Brien is going to interview for the Jacksonville job. Brilliant. He's rumoured to be. He's rumoured to be like right at the top of the shortlist, isn't he? He has. He has rehabilitated himself at Alabama, and uh, Bob Bob the the coach was vastly overshadowed by Bob the GM. Um, so it might not be the worst hire in the world, but if they still got Trent Bulk in there, I don't know what. The, what yeah, but, I mean this this is the problem because like how how can you after the power Bill O'Brien once like held? How do you? As long as they're not as long as they're not um, taking Nathaniel Hackett away, I don't give a crap. <laughs> All right, let's move on uh, to the middle of Texas. We're gonna go to Dallas, where the Cardinals. After a bit of a shaky spell, came up Trump's 25-22 to against the Dallas Cowboys. We got Kyler Murray playing a little bit closer to the standard that he set at the beginning of the year without the vast majority of his receivers had to rely on Antoine Wesley to take us over the line and the Cardinals find their way into the playoff picture and they are clinched. They can clinch the the NFC West as well if they win and the Rams lose, but they still have to rely on the Rams next week. The shine comes off your team a bit on offense when you're not playing Washington. You know, Dallas, come on. Yeah. And um, yeah, that being said, like, um, the Cardinals, I wouldn't say it was necessarily a lucky win, but it was a marginal win. They had that preposterous play on a fake punt um, where their four-string running back is is catching it while clinging it onto a, the helmet of the defender. Um, that was weird. There was a sequence at the end of the game where there was like a miss, probably a missed delay of game um, that would have set them back. And then um, there was something else as well, like right on the final play of the game, uh, which was Kyler Murray sliding for the first down and like just ran out the clock after that. So it was a marginal game, but neither of these teams look half as threatening as they did six weeks ago, so... Like before Dak's injury, and and indeed before Kyler's injury against the Packers, mm. um, they were both a lot more formidable looking. And I think you know we talked about the Cardinals being a bit of an older team with a bit more, a few more vets, and whether 
they would sort of drop off the pace a little bit, especially with the extra week. And I guess we'll see. You know, they they came out of the season absolutely flying out of the gates, but it's just looked a little bit more laboured and not nearly as explosive for them. I'd go along with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, like you say, uh, still, I don't think that either of these teams are anywhere near as threatening as they were early on in the year. Um, I'm pretty happy to move on, to be honest, which feels a bit weird for an 11-5 and five powerhouse duo. Um, we'll have plenty of time to talk about them when it comes to playoffs. So. That's true. Yeah, we do have to we do have to get through a hell of a lot more football because we got some of next week. Keep it coming. We're, we're Keep not it coming. we're not doing much. All right, Saints eighteen, Panthers ten. The Saints stay alive. Let's move on, please. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Sunday Damn, night, family. we got a. <laughs> you forgotten Lion Seahawks. I'm not forgetting Lions Seahawks. You missed the bit where I previewed and said that we're not going to talk about a couple of games that meant nothing. Oh, thank God. Nothing. Thank God. Packers th- uh, 37. They t- uh, to 10 winners over the Vikings. They get the number one seed in the NFC. It feels like a wet flannel for the Vikings who have been bad and were bad in this game because Sean Mannion was the starter. And played like how you'd expect Sean Mannion to play. Guys, take it away since this is both of your teams. Well, the Vikings, since Adam Thielen was injured, have been a bit crap. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think I think we were crap before Thielen got injured, but it certainly hasn't helped. Um, yeah, there's just the, the, like this strange ennui, this strange malaise settles over the team and they just don't do anything for like whole quarters at a time and you're just like, fucking hell, sort yourselves out. And then it it was kind of like when in this game you thought, oh well, if they can get into, like the linebackers especially playing very well, flying around the field, if you, if you can get into half time down a score or sort of like level and then we got in down 20 and it was like, oh... <clears throat> Oh well, it's over then, isn't it? Like that was that was our conversation, wasn't it, Max? Like the game yeah. was. Do you like they're not going to score twenty points? So who no, cares? This is, I mean, this is it, yeah, you can't. You, there's nothing you can really learn about either team because of the old Mannion effect. Um, I do think Dalvin Cook has been up, really up for games against the Packers lately. I think he ended up with some like fourteen or like twelve yards on twelve touches or something ridiculous like that. I think. Yeah, the Packers they, just didn't didn't respect the Vikings' passing attack, and and that played a part. But equally, I think Kenny Clark, who's a Pro Bowler this year, has been um, just a menace, um, and he does play his best football down the stretch, which is always a boon. I think there are a couple of passes that Rogers had to Adams on the first couple of drives of the game, which even though the Packers didn't score touchdowns on those drives, you were like, oh, if that's how it's going to be, and you know, yeah, yeah, Adams is uncomfortable. I will just say about Dalvin, he did just come off the COVID. Re- off the COVID list, so I think and he had actually got symptoms of COVID, so I think that might have been affecting him. But yeah, I mean, when when you have that many, when you have like one yard per touch, there's probably a lot of factors as to why. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think this game being on Sunday Night Football, I think, I think Rogers is probably going to win the MVP. He hasn't played as well as he had last year, but you know, in his defense, he is also a lot less likable than he was this time last year. So. You know. Which is some, it's some feat to be less likable than you were last year. I mean, 
that deserves an MVP mention in itself. Well, he was to be, to be, he to be a huge wanker in the face of being a bit of a wanker. Um, it takes takes skill, it takes nerve, and for that, Aaron Rodgers uh, deserves some credit. And the best part now is apparently no one wants to mention the last dance because he might be back, and it's like how. Yeah, he was saying. He was saying. Um, the, he said the grass is greener where you water it, and he said he really appreciated Gooey meeting him halfway. So it certainly sounds like that. I think Adams is probably going to be tagged, and then, you know, NFL players have said a lot of stuff that they've had to walk back because they just said it because they wanted a new contract or whatever. But it did feel like just it, it was a bit unnecessary. It was. It's been a. It's been a Favian year. An extremely Favian year for Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Can we We're talking of massive wankers of a quarterback? Do you want to move on to the next game? Well, I just wanted to quickly mention because um, one of the things that happened in this game is obviously, like I said, Sean Mannion was the starter. Um, the The damning thing is that we've already gotten a look at Sean Mannion um, because he's crap. Been in the league for seven years. We've he's been in the league for seven years and has been crap for the entire time. Uh, for his first touchdown pass, eh? Yeah, what a what a Not great bad. what a great time. Anyway, um, Mike Zimmer was sort of asked, "What are we gonna? How come you didn't oh, want to see take a look at Kellen Mond? You know, the guy that they just drafted, coming in a little bit fresh, third rounder." third rounder. You know, it's not like he's gonna be completely unplayable. I mean, what Dak was a third rounder, right? He Four. went one pick before Davis Mills this year. So you know. Uh, and uh, when asked, do you want to get a look at Kellen Mond? Zimmer casually responded, not particularly. And then someone asked him, do you want to tell us why? And he just went, I see him every day. Which to me sounds like Zimmer thinks he's shit. However, usually as a coach, when you've got a rookie uh, that you've just drafted, you sort of don't want to go out there and to the press and therefore the entire NFL say, I don't want to get a look at him because I already get to see that fat bastard every day, essentially. That's essentially what's happened I mean, I think Mon played in this game, didn't he? He played like half. He played, quarter, like, but... he played like, well, I mean, he threw the ball three times, completed it yeah. twice for five yards. out by Jordan Love. It was Mannion-esque, but... Uh, the point is, is that he's 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 a he's a rookie. Like, gotta get like a little bit of a look at it. If you're gonna yeah, play I Sean think, Mannion in a game, go on. I think this can be read a couple of ways. I think he was always going to be a development prospect. You can go down that road, but I think the far more likely road is that Zimmer has down tools. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Like, he might have just had his spirit broken. He's like, I frankly, if 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 Zimmer sat down for his end of year press conference after the Bears game and, and they asked him a question and he just said fuck you <laughs> You'd be like, yeah, well, I can't really blame you, I'd probably do the same thing in the same situation <laughs> regardless of the question but yeah I think I think I, I, I do think Mike Zimmer's a good coach but like he's just been, there's something going on there's a curse or you know some sort of hideous energy surrounding the Vikings this year. Yeah, the juju has been so bad and weird, hasn't it? Like, yeah. Whereas, I would say on the other hand, you've got the magical boy, Matt LaFleur's 13th. 13 wins in a row, still hasn't played in the first round playoff game. It's just like, okay. You can say, you know, he's got Aaron Rodgers, but, you know, Mike McCarthy had Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it's not a high bar to clear, particularly, I think, being better than Mike McCarthy, but 
I do think he's he gives the Packers an advantage, and I don't know, maybe you know Mike Zimmer needs to get back on his feet. Maybe somewhere like Hotlanta would be a good spot for him. He was there as a defensive coordinator in the past, so a bit of a homecoming for him. Um, Do you just have maybe, like an affinity Kirk, for prescribing uh, Atlanta to everyone? I think. You know, I Sean Mannion could turn around his career in Atlanta. You know, no, we we have it is a bit, but we have established that Mike Zimmer is absolutely going to be the head coach of Denver next year. Yeah, yeah, but I'm, I I was thinking about this the other day, and I'd like to throw out an alternative. Can you imagine the sort of strange, deranged season that would arise if Mike Zimmer went to be the head coach of the Raiders? Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine the Mike Zimmer Raiders? God, that is deeply cursed. Oh, I there are some people that you just can't picture in certain organizations, and Mike Zimmer and his sort of like Christmas the, elf. Persona and rosy cheeks managing like the oh, oh, oh the Raiders yeah, Mike Zimmer can you just imagine Mike Zimmer dressed in all black in front of the black hole with that Raiders dude who has like, the big costume and lighting the Al Davis <laughs> memorial torch in the big ashtray exactly that'd be badass <laughs> Mike uh, Zimmer in Mike Zimmer in Chicago next year that would be funny that would be quite uh, funny. Yeah. What if we got like a head coach swap and it would it became reality TV? Don't, don't. Co- coach swap. Um, all right. One final That's thing about this game uh, is something that happened in the sort of days that came after. Uh, just a little bit of a funny thing going back to Aaron Rodgers as a bit of a dick. But this time he stood his ground in the right way because uh, Hub Arkush who is one of the uh, 50 Associated Press voters who get to vote on the end-of-season award winners, uh, said that Aaron Rodgers shouldn't win MVP because uh, of his off-the-field antics, to which Aaron Rodgers called him a bum and uh, (laughs) told him that he... uh, What did he say? He said that he was a bum and that, yeah, essentially... He was like, he doesn't know me. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I think he's a bum. I listened to the comments. His problem isn't with me being the bad guy or the biggest jerk in the league because he doesn't know me. He doesn't know anything about me. I've never met him. I've never had lunch with him. I've never had an interview with him. His problem see, is I'm not problem. vaccinated. You can't get the measure of man until you see what he orders at a pub. Like, oh, <laughs> the, pro- the, the problem with Aaron Rodgers is that somebody needs to stand there to just like pull the microphone away from him when he stops. <laughs> when he stops, famous for like never saying anything to the media. Pat <laughs> McAfee must be held responsible. Pat McAfee has <laughs> accidentally bred Darth Vader. That's what's he's, happened here. If what he's done is he's opened Pandora's. <laughs> Yeah, I much preferred no, Aaron Rodgers when I didn't know what he had to say about crucial uh, vaccination topics. Yeah, but he start he starts speaking, and you're like, "Where's just, where's this going then?" it's like you know, the aliens orchestrated parmesan. You know, what Aaron Rodgers is he's a massive fucking libertarian. He's like the biggest libertarian dude in the country. And <laughs> no, no, no. That lets him off too easily because he's just a wanker. You don't know how <laughs> I feel about libertarians. You never had lunch with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking hey, brilliant! We could do a spin-off film. My lunch with a- my lunch with Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be good. 
Oh. All right, enough. I, I'm sick of talking about this. Let's let's move on to uh, the Monday night game where the eight seven and one Pittsburgh Steelers won twenty six to fourteen against the seven and nine Browns. Who, while they were already eliminated, and maybe were starting to take their foot off the pa- uh, off the gas, it was a, a particularly bad performance out of Cleveland. Um, Baker Mayfield. Two interceptions. One of them was just an awful read. Uh, sacked four times. Well, sacked nine times. Nine. Sorry, four times by uh, defensive player of the year <laughs> favorite TJ Watt. Um, and just, just once, it, can you not? What? He is <laughs> no. He's the bookie's favorite. Come on, get get off of the. I'm I'm being a host. Shut the fuck up. Anyway, defensive player of the year standout TJ Watt. If you're gonna go that way. Um, while the Steelers were largely carried on the back of Najee Harris in a very weird game where Ben Roethlisberger, in his final home game at Heinz Field, uh, certainly tried to Kobe it up and threw 46 (laughs) times for 123 yards. But he got a final (laughs) touchdown and all is right in uh, in Yeoville. That's the lowest line. Like, that's such a good sign of, like, yeah, this was probably the right... It's like, you know what, Ben, we're going to miss you, but you know what, it probably it yeah. probably was fine. Yeah, <laughs> it was the perfect game, because, like, if Baker Mayfield had been fit for next week and ended up throwing, like, five touchdowns against the, a very depleted Bengals and they end up bringing him back off the result of that, then, like, that's, that's a bad result. But Ben Roethlisberger playing as poorly as he did here was the indicator that, yeah move on now um i must admit <laughs> a, cer- a certain host of the podcast did get a little bit teary-eyed a few times during the game um and you know say what you like about his off-field antics and whatever but ben Roethlisberger is I, I we could but you know we'll save that for literally any other episode where it keeps getting brought up uh ben Roethlisberger is something that you know, Pittsburgh has embraced who he is uh, probably the best quarterback that Pittsburgh has ever had. Uh, and he is, he is one of the best quarterbacks in uh, in NFL history. And say what you like about him, but, you know, people in the Steelers organization will miss Ben Roethlisberger on the field for his leadership. And you could tell, you could really tell before every single member of NFL media swamped around him and created like a weird dome uh, after the game. Whereas I think he just wanted to go and like have a little chat with his team and like thank them for basically like carrying his very aged corpse through this last game and Najee Harris getting an unbelievably good day on the ground to like almost in a sort of torch passing moment right at the very end of the game. Uh, scoring a long touchdown on his longest run of the season, funnily enough. Uh, But didn't end up happening. But what he did do was take like five laps of Heinz Field, high-fived every single person in the stadium, it felt like, came into the tunnel, then went back out of the tunnel and went and sat down on the bench again. It was a little bit drawn out, but, you know, the people of Pittsburgh and all Steelers fans around the world probably appreciated that more than anything. Uh and if you've got anything to say about that, it wasn't for you. And uh, it, ha- it has been a little drawn out. It was. It was. But the funny when... thing is that he's he's now got to play another game next week. Yeah, 
But this is that was no, but this was Heinz Field saying goodbye to Ben. This wasn't like the NFL saying goodbye because that happens next week. But this was. I feel like this should have been. Imagine, sorry, I just imagine like, imagine that like the Steelers lost to Baltimore and he's doing like five laps of like. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is why he did it in this game. People getting hot dogs thrown at him. That would that would just about. I think that would be a. In a way, it would be a fitting end. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, It'd be more deserving an end. Well, I mean, uh, you know, the I feel like the true deserving end is that he got one more win over Cleveland, which you know, as I alluded to earlier, uh, there are only three guys that have better records against a single team. One of them was Aaron Rodgers against the Bears. One of them is Tom Brady against the Jets. But Ben Roethlisberger has absolutely owned the Browns, and even. In his final game, uh, and in his final season with the Steelers, he still manages to pick up two wins against Cleveland, and those two wins could potentially have kept the Steelers alive. In what was yet another uh, preseason Super Bowl uh, Browns win, and uh, another postseason without Cleveland playing in it. So I'm rubbing this one in. Away for... I'm rubbing away it for in. Ben to end next week would be if Terrell Suggs came out and had a fight with him. <laughs> yeah. Just for goal time's sake. Do you know what I mean? Like, not yeah. even like a... Not even just like a... It's like, you know how in hockey sometimes they have a fight and neither party really is like, it's like, oh, we have to fight now. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I think it'd be fitting, but... Um, yeah. Yeah. Return to the university. Return. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other thing that... Uh, it sort of happened in this game, really. Uh, TJ Watt is now 1.5 sacks off of breaking uh, Michael Strahan's record, where Brett Favre just laid down directly in front of Michael Strahan to, like, purposefully hand him the record. So, you know, I doubt that Jim Harbour or Lamar Jackson slash Tyler Huntley are going to do the same thing, so I feel like it'd be more... I, I feel I like it'd be do. more earned if TJ Watt broke the record. Uh, I mean, there was a sack in this game where Mayfield slid behind the line and TJ was the first guy to touch him down, and that was a sack. That's true, um, but that was more because TJ Watt had got firmly in Baker Mayfield's head because uh, on the previous play, Baker Mayfield threw a pass that was battered by TJ Watt, who then chirped at him, and I believe it's been transposed as, you got to throw the ball higher, that's twice I've deflected those now. And he just shouted at him. And then from that point on, Baker Mayfield like looked petrified every time that TJ Watt broke free. Um, he could have also gotten a fifth sack in this one, but Alex Highsmith beat him to the sack. Like He got round uh, Hudson, the Browns' right tackle in this game. And, and just before we move on to previewing anything, I, I do have like one more point about the Browns in particular. Um, but Baker Hud- Mayfield... What? Trying to get out of Cleveland at this point. <laughs> no, the the point is is uh, that the Browns' O line was 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 pitiful in this one. I mean, I know that Mayfield hung onto the ball a, a bit too long and like sort of faded into pressure, like he has done for the vast majority of his career. But there were points in this one where like every single player, like guys that you'd expect to be like, absolutely balling out or whatever. We're getting beat at the line within seconds. Like, uh, I don't believe it was... Oh, Jedrick Wills, their their first round draft pick, who's been 
pretty damn good for the vast majority of his career so far in the NFL. Got beat by Alex Highsmith on like the most basic sort of spin moves that I've ever seen. He I got think beat I a think hell of a offensive lot. Line, offensive line might be one of the positions where a team um, just giving up on the season might show the most because it's a position that needs a lot of coordination, mm. a lot of concentration. And when you're not playing for anything and you're just like, ugh, I just want to go home, I think that is going to show up yeah, terrifically. Yeah. But- even still, like, you'd expect, I don't know, like, Joel Bitonio, who has been great, JC Tretter, who has been great, to at least still show up and maybe at least keep the guy behind center a little bit, a little bit more upright. I mean, I know that he's playing bad and, and holding onto the ball too long, but like, Cameron Hayward absolutely drove Bitonio back into Mayfield like five times in this game. I know that Hayward's a beast it's and the Steelers had something Steelers. to play for, but, like, come on, man. It's fair to say the Steelers were a hundred times more motivated for this game than the Browns. And maybe um, a, fun conspiracy, a fun conspiracy to start would be that they actually just hate Baker and they want him to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as in they were, like, purposefully letting past, like... We can uh, we Alan can leak Hive. this to Mary Kay Cabot and Baker Mayfield and mental <laughs> Oh, And I, uh, I don't know if you've seen... This I don't know. I know that Max obviously has because he's just alluded to it, and I definitely have because everything AFC North happens on my feed. But Ed, have you seen this? He has notifications sent on for Baker Mayfield news. It's true, I do. I I haven't seen. I I don't know what this is in reference to. Uh, so Mary Kay Cabot, who is like a Browns beat writer, um, tweeted uh something about how oh what was it now? It was that the uh. Baker Mayfield must resolve his differences with Kevin Stefanski soon in case they need to coexist next season. Um, just like a little a little opinion piece or whatever. And Baker Mayfield himself quote tweeted it with clickbait. You and many other Cleveland local media continue to be drama-stirring reporters with no sources or facts. Don't put words in my mouth so you can put food on your table. I'm not your puppet. <laughs> Particularly well, like I mean, outspoken Baker Mayfield, who he got sacked so many times they turned him into Marcus Mariota. With the short <laughs> yeah. um, can I suggest the fun little um, crease for our preview of Week 18 that will help us get through it faster? Absolutely. Um, on the website for ESPN at the moment, uh, looking at the fixtures, and can I suggest that we actually don't talk about any games where the cheapest ticket is cheaper than sixty dollars? All right, so. So uh, let me tell you which which games these uh, are precluded from this. Um, both Saturday games, so Kansas City at Denver, forty five dollars is the cheapest ticket. Okay. Dallas at Philadelphia, fifty four dollars is the cheapest ticket. Right. Cincinnati at Cleveland, the cheapest ticket is twelve dollars. <laughs> um, Green Bay at Detroit, fifty dollars. Chicago at Minnesota, $29. Washington at New York, 10 bucks to get into that one, apparently. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually would look, we, we, we might want to talk about Indy versus Jacksonville quickly, even though because it's at Jacksonville, tickets are only 22 bucks. Um, Tennessee at Houston. That's actually the, that's that's what they pay you to come in. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> you get a ticket and 22 bucks. The cheapest game of the day. Um, New York at Buffalo, nine quid. So nine quid you can, to go like, to Orchard Park. I like, can have a, a cheeseburger 
<laughs> or I can go and watch a, a, a game. But I guess, I don't know if Buffalo are resting players, and also it is Orchard Park on January the like in ninth, ninth or whatever. So. Yeah. Um, so the, or the ticket might cost nine quid, but the survival gear will run into <laughs> hundreds of dollars. All right. Uh, I mean, we'll be we'll sort of run through all of the scenarios, but in terms of like which games we're going to preview, um, I guess that leaves us starting with Ravens Steelers uh, to preview the Ravens looking to stay alive. I don't know whether or not Lamar Jackson's back yet. Is the is the is the real he question? He didn't practice anything. He's not practiced, um, so it might end up being Tyler Huntley versus Ben Roethlisberger in in Ben's final game. Um, have Huntley for this game. What? You know what I, mean? I, I would almost rather have Huntley for this game. Yeah. Um, but, I really well, have rather. Right, I really have like rated him pretty highly. Um, he's he's a runner tight ship. Um, obviously, this game, whether it's relevant or not, depends on whether the Colts lose to the Jaguars. Yeah. Um, so they shouldn't in any reasonable reality but they also haven't won there since september 2014 so the scenario for for pittsburgh to win in in is just for the colts to win uh, sorry the colts to lose if the ravens want to get in they have to win they have to have the chargers lose they have to have the colts lose and they have to have the dolphins lose or tie um mm. but the steelers Baltimore have got quite a few on the COVID list as well, I think, at the moment. Yes. Um, whereas the Steelers win, Colts loss. But more importantly, we could potentially end up with the disgrace of uh, Los Angeles because the Chargers and Raiders, if they tie, both make it in to the wild card. So, and they play each and that other. Is why tickets right, yeah. Are, the cheapest tickets are 295 bucks. Because yeah, exactly. If you. If you have the chance to watch two NFL teams kneel out an entire game. There's no <laughs> price that you should not be paying for that. Kneels and I mean, punts, both, boys. Kneels and punts. They've both said that they would not do that. But I just think, come on. You, you don't get the chance to very often, do you? No. And um, it is a little bit ridiculous that the NFL doesn't play all their games at the same time on, on the final Sunday. So, yeah. Maybe they, they need a lesson teaching. That's true. Did so we have value the integrity actually... of your sport? Because we won't. <laughs> Come on, we can pull off the ever given of football here. Um, do, do we actually have much to preview for Steelers at, at Ravens? Or um, is that... apart from what we already sort of mentioned in the review of Steelers Browns? Not really, because TJ Watt could break the sack record. Najee Harris played really well, but will he be able to do it against the Ravens? Who? still have something to play for will Tyler Huntley be able to play will he be alright well? it's such a proper rivalry that I can just imagine John Harbaugh is telling Tyler Huntley before the game like if you think you're about to get sacked just throw it on the ground just spike it into the ground yeah that wouldn't surprise because, me actually because you know that John Harbaugh like, definitely cares about the statistical footprint of teams like when he uh the Ravens were guaranteed to beat the Broncos late in the fourth quarter and to keep a specific, like, consecutive 100-plus yards rushing streak alive and beat a Steelers team from the 70s at it, he he called, like, two that. extra rushing plays. So you know yeah. that he's tracking and this. And pissed as boiled. Yeah, it was. Uh, and, you know, I, I respect some, some stat padding. 
which is I why I imagine that it's basically, I reckon that this is going to be like the Ravens are going to purposefully line five guys up and four of them are going to block TJ Watt. And Keith Butler is going to skew everyone to go into pass coverage except TJ Watt. So we're going to end up with the weirdest game of all it's just time. Like, oh, yeah, <laughs> it's not even about playoff scenarios anymore. It's about TJ Watt like breaking the sack record. The field, just stood still watching. <laughs> yeah. Oh. All right. Um, let's. Do you want to talk about the next game? Um, I mean, the Saints, next game. Atlanta actually has something at stake. Yes, the Saints can win and make it, provided that the 49ers lose, and that's it. Uh, the Saints coming in to a game against the Falcons, who are a weird team. It's two teams that are incredibly weird. One of rivalries, though. Uh, yeah. Another... I mean, the Falcons would love to knock the Saints out of the playoffs, and I think um, they could do, because the Falcons have won some games this year, and the Saints have lost some games. It could really go either way. Do you know what I mean? Like, the yeah. Taysom Hill being there... Um, they would bloody love it, but I, I I would like the Saints to win because I'm nowhere. Although the Saints did beat my team thirty five nothing the first <laughs> week of the season, I would much rather face them than um, the 49ers with you know Debo and Kittle healthy and you know that that proposition kind of scares me. So I'll be rooting against San Francisco specifically this week. Um, the the other two games here that have permutations but aren't really that interesting, I think. Tennessee at Houston. If Tennessee wins that, then they will have the first overall seed, right? Yeah. And New York at Buffalo, where if... Oh, the Jets at Buffalo. Um, if the Jets win, then the Pats win. They could win the AFC East. And then if the Chiefs and Titans both also lost, then and the, possibly then, the Bengals as well. No, then it's... The it's so the Patriots can claim... First round by and home field advantage with a win, Buffalo losing, Tennessee losing, and the Chiefs to lose. However, the Titans are, as you've mentioned, playing against Houston, uh, who are bad. Mm. And Buffalo are playing the Jets, who are bad. And the Chiefs yep. are playing the Broncos, the Broncos who, are bad. who are bad. So... <laughs> But slightly, maybe less bad. You know, than if, if the, the Jets, Jets and Titans performed like the way they did Titans. last week, and the Bills performed the way they did last week, you know, the Jets might have won that game. So stranger things have happened, but I, I wouldn't hold my breath. Yeah, you can't predict that. No, <laughs> um, it's like it's like New England at Miami, right? Where New England have famously struggled in Miami, but if you look at the two teams' performances last week. If the Patriots are, are serious about winning a playoff game or two, there's no chance in hell that they should be doing anything other than whomping the Dolphins and, on the home ground. The thing is, though, is like even though uh, we've seen, like we'd think, like oh, maybe just because the Dolphins are so bad and the Patriots are starting to look like real frisky and they have done over the course of the last like couple months or whatever. The Patriots have come into this game in this sort of exact scenario before and still lost, but with Tom Brady yeah. in there. Like, the Dolphins can be as bad as it possibly can get. Like, they could be actively tanking and they will still play the Patriots in Miami and still have a big, big opportunity to win because they always do it. 
They always like, win in Miami against the, the Patriots. Same thing, the same thing goes for the Jags hosting the Colts, right? Yeah. I mean, so it, it, the Jags are significantly worse than the Dolphins are. So yes. that would be, to me, even more of a stunt because I don't think there's too much to choose between the Colts and the Patriots. But, you know, there is something to keep an eye on. And the last game in the AFC that we haven't really talked about as a game is the the Sunday night football game, which is the, the Chargers at the Raiders, um, which could have been a game where they were... They they initially wanted to share a stadium, which would have been yeah, it would have been weird. Um, I, I think I think this is going to be an interesting game because the Chargers are. I think most people would say at this point definitely the better team, but we could experience an enormous charger in. We it's could possible. However, you know, we are also in peak raidering territory. Yeah, I mean, the last two wins have been, you know, they've they just been the Colts on the road, which is not something that the Raiders of the last two years would have done. No. Um, so, I wouldn't want to discard them. I mean, I think what it would take for the Raiders to win is, like, special teams gaffes out the waz from the Chargers and Hunter Renfro to go, like, full Jamar Chase. One thing that I will um, say is that, like, even though the Raiders have just won uh, this game, they've not scored over twenty, well, over twenty-three points uh, since they beat the Cowboys in overtime. But since then, fifteen against the Washington Football Team, nine in a forty-nine, uh, forty-eight to nine drubbing. Then they beat the Browns sixteen to fourteen, the Broncos seventeen to thirteen, and the Colts twenty-three to twenty. Whereas the Chargers are coming in with like high scoring galore, they haven't they haven't scored less than, uh, they haven't scored less than thirty four points since the oh Broncos. My God. The Chargering is going to be brutal. Oh, it's going to be brutal. Like, yeah. and I'm, oh. I'm 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 really um, jonesing for a Chargers Chiefs three, and I really don't need to see a Raiders Chiefs three because the Chiefs have evaporated the Raiders this year. Yeah. Um. um oh. Herbert and Burrow and Mahomes and all these guys in the playoffs is exactly what we all deserve to see. It's true. Which means one of them is going to get injured, right? Week eighteen. One of these. One <laughs> well, of these star QBs is going to miss the playoffs. Thankfully, put money on it? thankfully, Burrow won't unless he gets injured in practice. But if they were smart, they'd tell him to just hard. stay the fuck at home and don't make a sandwich with an extra sharp knife or anything. Like, just be careful. Was it Trevor? Did Trevor Sinclair once drop a glass bottle of salad cream on his foot and oh, fracture it? Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. So, barring any freak salad cream related injuries, Burrow should be should be good. Um, what is it? Because um, uh... oh, it wasn't it wasn't um, Trevor Sinclair. It was fucking. It was Dave Besson. That's the one. Yeah, I know. Was, was it Trevor Sinclair? Where is Was it Trevor Sinclair? Where his wife ran over his foot in the car? Oh, maybe. <laughs> It was Trevor Sinclair who got fired on his birthday and <laughs> he went to his birthday. <laughs> <laughs> was it David? Who was it who injured themselves uh, leaning over to pick up the TV remote? Robbie Keane. Robbie Keane, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, it's Robert, that one's Robbie Keane. Um, yeah, yeah, it was David James. It was David James. Ken Griffey Jr. F- uh, slipped in the shower, didn't he, in his rookie year and that yeah. cost him like 12 weeks. Um, so, barring any of these preposterous incidents which all of which could happen you know um 
we should hopefully be getting the three star boys of the AFC in the playoffs. <laughs> um, I mean, four if you count Josh Allen. I don't. You don't, but <laughs> in terms of exciting throwing football, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fine. Four if you count Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> I do, actually. Yeah, nice. Um, all right, in terms of the NFC, then. Uh, there are only there aren't very many clinching scenarios. We already talked about the Saints, who if they win the, and the Niners lose, then they're in. Uh, yeah, it's, it's all seeding. The Niners can clinch if they win or tie. Uh, the Cardinals can clinch the NFC West if they uh, win and the Rams lose, and the Rams can uh, clinch the NFC West if they win and the Cardinals lose. Uh, well, or the Cardinals lose. Um, but seeding wise, it could go mental. So the Buccaneers could finish anywhere between uh, second and third, uh, second and fourth. It takes a lot for them to have that happen. But you know, it just it's 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 all carnage. I don't understand anything that I'm seeing right now. But just know that the Cardinals, the Rams. They still have everything to play for about wild card placing, and everything else is either you're in the top four or you're in the bottom three. That's it. Yeah. So the only thing that's really up for grabs is the AFC or the NFC West title, which, as we said, the Cardinals need to win and the Rams to lose. The Forty ers need to win, and they're in. And the Saints need them to lose, and for the Saints. So the Saints need to win, and then they need to have the 49ers lose, and I think also have the... Oh, God. Someone else lose. <laughs> no, the Saints just get in if they win and the 49ers lose. I realise oh, that we're getting into the nitty-gritty here, so let's just... Rams can obtain the second seed with a win. Buccaneers can obtain the second seed with a win and the Rams losing. And Dallas can obtain the second seed with a win, the Buccaneers losing, the Rams losing, and the Cardinals losing. Whereas the Cardinals can get the second seed if they win, the Rams lose, and the Bucks lose. So Dallas are the ones that are the most outside of chance. And everything else, I vote that we just leave up to chance and actually talk about the actual game side of it. Uh, and I'm going to choose that we start with Rams 49ers, which has the most playoff implications because these two teams need to actually clinch that they'll get there, or at least one of them does. Um, 30, 30% chance that McVeigh and Shanahan kiss on the sideline? Uh, I want to see odds on at least 38%. I think there's a chance. Okay. There's a big chance. 62% chance that Cam Akers' returns only to be taken out by an errant drone strike. <laughs> <laughs> you said the drone was completely justified. <laughs> oh. uh, an LAPD drone. Um, yeah, the, the 49ers, you know, I've, I've made a lot of hay in the picks this year by just looking up NFC West recent results and picking the team that has won like every single one. And the 49ers have won some like six in a row against the Rams. And um, there's an interesting stat going around at the moment, um, which, you know, I think it does reinforce sort of what we've seen with our eyes, but it's an interesting trend where Matt Stafford has basically ended up with the same EPA per play as Jared Goff's two best seasons in, with the Rams. So it's kind of a trend that Sean McVay's quarterbacks sort of drop off to above just above mediocre towards the end of the season what? and i think we what? know that but 
it's interesting that Stafford has done it as well. What about if it's not the quarterback that's the reason for anything that happens in LA? Because you can put you can put like Aaron Rodgers in there, and they will all they will always end up with the exact same team playing the exact same style and they will get the exact same quarterback play out of everyone. Because I have always advocated for Matt Stafford being good. Um, you've always advocated the other way around. No, no, he is good. He's not elite. He's not elite to me. All right, I've always um, advocated that if you put him in a different team, that he'll probably have ended up being in the Hall of Fame. But the the point is that Stafford is objectively better than Jared Goff, right? But Stafford yeah. is currently not playing any better than Jared Goff's best two seasons with the Rams. So it's weird. Because you would say that McVeigh has brought Jared Goff up. Yeah. But are we now saying that he's bringing Matt Stafford down? Yeah, it's a weird scenario. Like, maybe there is no... The, the floor and ceiling are on the exact same level. Like, there it's is a one centimetre gap. Everyone in LA... Everyone in LA level. has the same... Yeah. <laughs> it's a 2D plane. disorder. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they don't have a, they don't have a proper winter there, so people don't people's bodies start freaking out. Can I ask you guys a serious question? Go on. If you must, um, is there any team in the NFC that belongs in the Super Bowl other than the Packers? If we're being totally honest with ourselves, um, I think the best versions of some NFC teams certainly do. The best version of the Cardinals from like the first nine no, weeks doesn't, that doesn't exist anymore. It doesn't. Yeah. Not, not without Andre Hopkins. I still think the Rams. I still think that you could easily put the Rams in the Super Bowl and it'd be justified, personally. Possibly. But, well, it's kind of it, but, it is, but it is the Packers that should be the out-and-out favourites for getting there. I absolutely hate that feeling, by the way. What, the, the, pack, what the, the Packers are the favourites? They're not playing with house money. Do you know, I prefer playing with house money. Yeah. Um, but like, <laughs> to be a Vikings fan, that's all we ever have. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was really like... The, in the AFC as well, there have been you've had teams who have been fairly, you know, good and and bad. And I think, I think the AFC teams have been improving as the season comes to its end, and the NFC teams have been getting worse, which is kind of a little weird. Um, but I do think, like, I, I do tend to at this time of year just trust the teams who have done it before. Yeah. Um, so I do trust. I do tend to trust like the Chiefs. Um, and I don't trust as much the Bengals and, say, the Cardinals, who their struggles at the end of season, and, and indeed Cliff Kingery's, wherever he's been, their team's struggles at the end of the year is, is well documented. So, yeah, to me, I think the Rams I would back to be, you know, the the one with the best shot of the teams that don't hold the first overall seed. Um, and, you know, playoff Tom Brady is, is a thing. It really is a thing. And um, I think... Anyone facing Tom Brady at home is gonna. It's like, you know, yes, the Bucks aren't the team that they were last year, but I mean Brady's carried some pretty crap teams this year. But like that 2018 Patriots team who went into Arrowhead and, and they won in overtime had really were not that great a team, but they still did it. And and you know an even worse one beat the Rams in the Super Bowl. So I know that was the same team, wasn't it? But <laughs> you know, I, I think. The, the the season starts now for some of these teams. It really does. Okay. All right. Just quickly, the three of you, because it's sort of already been like briefly sort of touched upon, but if we were to start like a pre-playoffs prediction, who is your two Super Bowl teams? Who are we picking? Not to say who wins, 
You can pick that if you want, but who are we saying is going to be in the big one? Ed, you first. Packers Bengal. Oh, that that's such that's a, a tasty Super yeah, Bowl. Yeah, that's a spicy Super Bowl. I think that you could put a lot of the AFC in the Super Bowl and it'd be pretty spicy. Max, mm. who are you saying? Um uh, Saints Patriots for me. No, God no. God um no. yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say we're gonna get Super Bowl one, two, uh, Packers, Chiefs in Los Angeles. Hopefully they bring back the halftime entertainment from Super Bowl one, which was a guy with a jetpack. um i i think for my playoff predictions i sort of i denounced my own previous take but i want to go back to it one final time i'm putting oh my god i'm putting the colts in the super bowl baby and I'm putting them up against the Dallas Cowboys, baby. Oh. <laughs> God, if Cowboys. If there's a Colts Cowboys, if the Colts, if the Colts make the Super Bowl at all, I will buy you a beer. I tell you what, though, I respect. I respect you doubling down on that. In terms of like, who's the winner in the mascot game? It's always the Cowboys. In that <laughs> who wins a cowboy or a horse yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'll just I'll, yeah one final point is that the chargers chargers rams super bowl in la is technically still on oh Ooh. it is oh <laughs> could you imagine they just have the end zones that they always have they'd just be like oh yeah we don't have to repaint over them again it would be imagine it a stadium half full of Rams fans and half full of Chiefs fans. <laughs> <laughs> you mean Chargers fans? No. no. Oh. <laughs> Are you doing full of Chiefs? Oh, I see. Okay, it will be half full of Rams fans and half full of corporate representatives. <laughs> so just like every Super Bowl. All right. Um, <laughs> the one final point that I just want to like close out the podcast for because you know we. We we do love doing the show, but uh, we did get some bad news while uh, over the course of this uh, like three week or so period. Uh, the NFL lost its probably its brightest and most influential uh, individual uh, on the twenty eighth of December. Uh, John Madden, who of course lent his name to the titular uh, EA Sports video game series, uh, professional head coach of the Raiders for much of their most successful period uh from 69 to 78 um and also uh award-winning broadcaster probably one of the most beloved men in uh nfl history uh he sadly passed away peacefully in his home um and you know it's 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 a sad time really when uh moments like this end up end up happening you you hate to lose people that um, provide so much joy, so much uh, just yeah, so much joy, so much entertainment, and um, he will be missed. Introduce me, to, introduce me to poultry inside of poultry inside of poultry. Yeah, um, I introduce hope... the NFL to the idea of a of a of a of a play by play guy or a color guy breaking down before because before John Madden, um, the primetime games would be like. <laughs> The play-by-play man would be like, "Wow, that play was crazy! What just happened?" And the Colin commentator, who would be blind drunk at the time, would go, "I don't know." <laughs> <laughs> so it'd be just so like Chris Collinsworth. <laughs> well, um, but a little more fun. Um, 
I think John Madden really set a template in terms of like having a fun time watching the game, but also being educational. Yeah. And that's what the best that's what the best analysts do. I mean, that's what we saw from that's what we've seen from Tony Romo. You know, you got guys like Greg Olson now, and I think NFL commentators at the moment are kind of hitting a real um, a purple patch. A real yeah. purple patch. Yeah, I was going to say a real patch of green grass. That's not saying, is it? And I think um, most of those guys, uh, especially the young ones coming through, would, would certainly have, have um, learned the tricks of the trade from watching John Madden. So, yeah, you know, he's, he's a guy who'll be missed. I think he he was a guy who liked his privacy. Um, so he probably hates the idea that all these people, everyone's talking about him still. But yeah, there's um, the, there's they just uploaded the football life for John Madden on YouTube. Um, I would recommend giving that a watch because he was slightly before I think probably most UK fans' time. Mm-hmm. Um, where his last game was that Steelers Cardinal Super, wasn't it? So yeah, um, I think a lot of fans are are newer to the sport than that. But I would recommend watching it because it helps you understand how influential the guy he was. Yeah, I um. If you don't end up, if any, well, if anyone's got uh, Sky, they're showing All Madden. Uh, if anyone's got Game Pass, then All Madden is also on there. I I, I recently watched that. I watched that um, after work a couple of days ago, and uh, it left me uh, feeling enlightened. It, it left me feeling hopeful. It gave me goosebumps a few times <laughs> just from like seeing the dude do what he does best and hearing like every single person that he's ever influenced, be it from like Andy Reid and Bill Belichick, who he, he famously got right. Uh, he said that Bill Belichick would end up being a, a phenomenal head coach when he was just a, a humble DC under Bill Parcells. Um, he basically influenced a hell of a lot of guys. Um, basically was the driving force behind talking Lawrence Taylor <laughs> into being MVP as well. So it was, it was nice seeing like all of the guys that, have been sort of personally affected by John Madden's reach on the NFL uh, come out. Well, he learned, he learned coaching from Vince Lombardi. I yeah. mean, that's the sort of heritage you're talking about. And I remember I was reading a book on um, just, you know, it's like a general NFL history book. And, and there was a quote from John Madden that was like, he showed up at this Vince Lombardi coaching school and he was, he thought he was like, um, he, he thought he was just like a big shot. You know, he was like, oh, I'm, I know it all. You know what I mean? And he said, he sat down there on, on the first day. Vince Lombardi spent the entire day talking about the Packer sweep, and that was the only thing he talked about. And he went away <laughs> afterwards and was like, "Actually, turns out I still have quite a lot to learn." <laughs> but um, I mean, you know, imagine the broadcaster it was so influential. You forget that he was obviously a brilliant coach as well. And um, I'm gonna salute him by watching the Holy Roller play, um, where he's like on the field, he's wearing those, <laughs> those blue jeans, and he has no clue what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, he did more for the sale of, uh, like, denim than the vast majority of people, just with his beautiful blue jeans. <laughs> Fair to it. say, though, he's, he's done more for the sale of denim than I have. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. We, we will be back at some point next week. Um, and we will be here to talk about not only previewing some playoff games, but also reviewing everything that happened, involving all of the interesting bits of the NFL, because there was still some wet blankets left Yo, to be played in the Boy, howdy. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll also be back, uh, as we were pretty much all off-season, doing various things in between. So don't you worry, when we are gone and the NFL season is over... 
the gang will still be here to give you some tasty content. <laughs> anyway, it's been uh, it's been a pleasure being back. We will see you next week. Um, Ed, Have give a us a closing remark. Um, oh, you boys, you've lightened my spirits. I've got to say, I was feeling very glum coming in today, but I feel I feel quite positive. You know, leaving the shop. See you next week. Bye. Bye. I'm going to go and tear poetry about my bare hands as a homage. <laughs> I.